The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. And we are in the midst of the series titled The Eye of the Storm, by which is based upon a book by Gary Simmons. Just to, for those who have never listened to my show before, I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Uh, in the midst of this series, I'm requesting that everyone actually get the book. Um, this book, The Eye of the Storm by Gary Simmons is awesome. And I think it's one of the best books I've ever read. I, I, it really just works with my soul. You know, you know, sometimes you bump across material that just harmonizes and synchronizes with you and what you're doing. This is one of the books that consistently synchronizes with what I'm doing. It doesn't make a difference when, uh, what I'm reading, uh, when I pick this book back up, it, tends to align everything else I'm working with. It's amazing to me. So today we're going to be working with chapter four, which is making friends with conflict. And if you haven't listened to the other shows after you listen to this show, go back and listen to the other uh, podcast because I think it'll help put the entire series in the context because what we're trying to do is understand how to spiritually embrace conflict and create peace. All right. So this is the longest chapter in the book. So it's going to be a lot of material that I most likely will leave in the book. This is why I ask people to actually buy the book. It's only thirteen ninety five. And it's available through Unity's website, Amazon.com, and a lot of other uh, websites that sell spiritual literature. So make sure you get the book. It's well worth your time. It is well worth your time. So on page 51, it starts off with the statement, whether your challenge is with a person or difficult situation, the tendency to avoid conflict only makes matters worse. Sometimes we try to avoid it what I, because it doesn't uh, because what it because we're scared. Let's just be honest. Many times we're scared, or we or sometimes we just feel as though it's not worth it. Sometimes we don't. People don't like the uncomfortableness of being in a situation where they feel as though conflict is actually happening. People tend to avoid conflict. Some people seek it out, obviously. You always have people who, you know, for lack of terms, are adrenaline junkies on conflict and drama. I'm not talking about it from that standpoint. I'm talking about it from the standpoint of being able to address a situation, an experience, or person from your authentic spiritual self and remain in peace. So, it doesn't make a difference what the challenge is. If you're running away from it mentally, emotionally, or literally physically, what it ends up doing is creating some other issues. Now, he gives a lot of stories about, you know, being bullied as a kid and some other things of that nature you can read on your uh, on your own. On page 53, though, he writes, talking about one of uh, this little boy who got his black belt. 
he learned that fear forces action while centeredness and confidence reveal choices and options. I'm going to read that again because it's very powerful. He learned that fear forces action while centeredness and confidence reveal choices and options. So when you feel as though this is the only appropriate reaction, then that's based upon fear without realizing that even if you take the same action, your consciousness can be in a different place. That might be the appropriate action, but when you're in fear, you only see that as an option. When you're centered spiritually, you see other options and opportunities on how to transform that experience. And you might end up taking the same action, but your consciousness will be different. Like, you know, there are some people who, for instance, uh, they'll, you know, leave a job because it's not fulfilling, because it's not holistic, because it's not beneficial to their well-being. A person can leave that job in anger and in frustration. They can have anxiety. They can have fear. They can feel as though they're the victim. They can have all type of emotions and perceptions based upon what's happening. Or they can take the exact same option. In other words, they leave the job, they resign, they quit, and it's being done from authentic space without victimhood. And that's what being centered spiritually gives you. You might take the same action, but the same thing isn't happening. Because internally, in your consciousness, something totally different is driving the outer activity. All right. So moving on, page 55. And I also want to remind you that you can call into the show at 888-558-6489, I love to hear from people. I want to hear you call in. I want to hear your comments. I want your questions. We're in this together. We're working on this. And when you call in and give comments and ask questions, I know that you're getting it. So please do. All right. Page 55. He writes under the the Tao of conflict. To give up being defensive in the presence of a threat is not easy. Something must change in how you see the situation and what you make it mean. All right. So to give up does not mean become a floor mat to allow people to walk on over you. When it says to give up being defensive, see, that's the difference, not to give up. It's to give up being defensive in the midst of conflict. In other words, I can be authentically centered in my space without necessarily uh, being defensive. Now, you might be bringing a type of energy towards me. I don't have to meet that energy necessarily. You know, one of the things I love about uh, martial arts like Aikido and Tai Chi is the idea that somebody brings energy towards you. It's not your job to clash with that energy. It's your job to redirect that energy and allow it to dissipate in a way that doesn't interfere with your harmony because actually Aikido in Japanese means the way of harmony so so somebody brings their inharmony into your space it's not your job to meet inharmony with inharmony it's your job to not allow your harmony to be disturbed so you redirect that energy and send it on its way it just in you know in a, in a martial art context sending it on its way tends to be thrown flipped or whatever but the point of it is you remain in harmony now mentally emotionally you have to have that same level of harmony somebody's bringing that type of energy to you how do you not meet it head on but allow your authentic spiritual consciousness to to allow you to engage it without being absorbed by it. So you, you can take the actions, you can say the words, you can do the things that are appropriate for that moment. All right. So to do this, 
something must change in how you see the situation and what you make it mean. So, because we give meaning to everything in our lives, which we've covered already in some of the previous podcasts, we have to change how we see a thing. We have to change our context. We have to change our paradigm because context and actions are always consistent. All right. All right. So he says the first step in making friends with conflict is under, is in understanding what conflict is. So the energy of conflict can be directed into positive avenues of understanding, healing, and spiritual growth. In other words, you know, do we really understand what conflict is and isn't? So he defines conflict based upon this book by Thomas Crumb, The Magic of Conflict. Simply defined, conflict is an interference pattern of energies. An interference pattern of energies. It arises as a field of influence and is evident in every dimension of life, in nature, and society, and relationship. He explains, what does that mean? Wherever there is change, movement, resistance, pressure, or interaction, there exists the potential for conflict. Now, just stop and really realize what he's really explaining is life because you're always going to engage in change, movement, resistance, pressure, or interaction. There is no way during the course of a day that you're not going to bump into change, movement, resistance, pressure, interaction. You're going to engage in one or all of these things every day. So, if that's the case, then we need to understand that this is just the process of engaging life and directing and redirecting and harmonizing and communicating and and and, and I'm using the term compromise, not in the sense of principle, but compromising in the sense of win-win to make life work for everybody. He goes on to say, every single thing is either coming into existence, developing, decaying, or going out of existence, including our physical bodies. Sometimes we're in conflict with our bodies because our bodies are changing. Sometimes we're in conflict with our bodies because of the way it moves or doesn't move, because of resistance that we feel as though we're having with something that's not working the way we think it should work. Etc., etc. But everything is coming into existence, developing, decaying, or going out of existence at every moment. If it's physical, it's happening. All right? He says, change and movement are the heartbeat of the universe. He says, when change or movement is resisted or when energy patterns intersect, Shock waves are created. Like colliding ripples on a pond, interfering patterns of energy create cascades of influence that become the substance of new creations. So in the midst of us emitting our own energies, thought, feeling, words, actions, reactions, and those thoughts, feelings, words, actions, and reactions then coming across or, or engaging with other or intersecting, as the book says, with other people's thoughts, feelings, words, actions, and reactions, what we call conflict is created. But out of that conflict, new things can happen. Now, here's the thing. When we don't pay attention to the movement, the change, the stride, the, the, uh, of the way things are going, whether it's the seasons, Birds instinctively know it's time when it's time to fly south. You know, we're in September now, and, and I'm in the Midwest. I'm looking now for leaves to be falling off of trees because the the trees, the Mother Nature is getting ready for winter. It's warm in the daytime, but it's much cooler in the evening now. The days are getting shorter. It, it would be foolish for me to say, okay, well, I could still, you know, go outside at 10 o'clock at night with a tank top on and shorts. 
that would not necessarily be smart in a couple of weeks. It might not be smart right now. Paying attention to the movement and the changes of the universe. There are movements and changes in your soul. And when you don't pay attention to those things, you create shockwaves because you're not going in the flow of where internally your soul is guiding you and leading you to go. Sometimes because of fear, frustration, anxiety, or misunderstandings. But it creates shockwaves. Organizations tend to go certain ways. and If you're not careful, you'll transform something that was dynamic and innovative into a museum. That's great if you want a museum. If you want something dynamic and innovative, you got to be mindful that there's a trend that goes along with that. With politics, many, you know, you have people right now in many nations protesting, frustrated, etc. Because people want progression and the people who don't want progression are fighting like crazy to make sure that progress doesn't happen in society where and and civil there are people who want civil rights for all people and there are people who don't want those things so the racism and the prejudice prejudices and and all of the phobias come up and come out because it's a conflict of trying to keep something the same way without realizing that life changes it's sort of like People saying, you know, you know, uh, I'm gonna keep this rotary phone or something like that. It just doesn't work. Or folks saying, well, you know what? I don't, I don't like the internet and social media, but it's not going anywhere. It's only going to evolve. The way we do things will just continue to evolve. Years ago, Blockbuster had an opportunity. To buy at a very inexpensively, for, as far as going rate is concerned, Netflix, and they didn't. And now people not don't even buy DVDs, or let alone go to video stores. DVDs are being bought less and less. Now people are downloading Netflix. They're watching Hulu TV shows. They're not even paying for cable now. They're downloading DVDs, movies instead of DVDs. They're going right to Amazon Prime and downloading them right to their phones and tablets and TV and smart TVs. These are the things that we need to be mindful of. Change and movement is always happening. You can fight against it, but it's still going to move. Life is progressive. Now, we're coming up on our first break, so I want to give you the number again to call in, 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I want to remind you that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So go to www.unity.fm and click on the Donate button and help support this online ministry so we can continue giving this good stuff to all the people all around the world. Your donations help support staff. It helps buy equipment. It helps to make sure that our stuff is top notch so we can do what we need to do to make this world, not make, but help this world awaken to who and what it is. A gift from God. Every last one of us. Every last one of us. So we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? 
We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul. The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Again, if you want to call in, you can call in. It's 888-558-6489. All right. So, back to the book. We're going to jump over to page 57. The Energy of Being and Doing. All right. So he says, or wrote, being and doing are the primary poles of self. What we do in our lives fundamentally arises out of who we are. And who we are is reinforced and made solid by what we do. In human terms, we are the energy of being and the energy of doing. So what we do comes out of who we think we are. So in other words, when you hear uh, like Emmett Fox writes, life is consciousness. This is basically saying that we have to consistently demonstrate our own sense of self, consciously or unconsciously. So I might not be consciously aware of some of the driving factors in my consciousness, but that doesn't mean that they aren't there. So we need to understand what does it mean to work with this? All right. So he goes on to say uh, uh, that. On page 58, attention dictates the quality of life experience. In other words, you can be in an experience that is normally stressful or upsetting and move your attention to the center or to spirit where the situation can be experienced differently. Now, think about that. The same thing is happening, but you're different. It's the same thing like I mentioned earlier with the Aikido. The situation is the same. But how you engage the energy is different. You can engage it from the way of harmony, or you can deal with it from the way of chaos, fear, anger, frustration, or whatever comes up and boils up at the time. So what we want to do is get to the place that we're having authentic being and conscious doing. Now notice that authentic being, in other words, you're coming from your spiritual nature and conscious doing. That means you're not just being reactive. So on page 59, he wrote, are you, through your intentions and desires, moving in the same direction as your spirit? That by itself is powerful. Are you, through your intentions and desires, 
moving in the same direction as your spirit. In other words, first of all, many times people don't even know what direction their spirit is leading them. And sometimes knowing is not enough if you don't feel as though you're going in the same direction because you can be being pulled one way and not necessarily doing what you know you're being guided to do. That's one of the things about uh, spirituality. You just know. Like, I know that I have to do ministry. I know it's my job to be a, a preacher and a teacher. Primarily, that's what I do. I, You know, you can have other gifts and things of that nature, but I teach. I preach. And that's when, when I do, and when I'm either doing that or preparing to do that through my study and my own inner work, that's when I am the most fulfilled. I'm very clear on that. So, that's walking in a, that's intention that's in alignment with spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that's the only time spirit is leading you is in your gifts. It could be, this is how you handle this relationship. This is how you handle this money. This is how you handle this job situation. This is how you handle whatever. Many times we want to do it one way and spirit is leading us to do it differently. But we allow our egos to get caught up in things. We allow our prejudices to get caught up in so many things. We allow our past. In other words, this is the way my former boss did it. This is the way my I was raised. This is the way we used to do it, et cetera. And, and all those things might good be good and great, but they might not be able to meet the demand of the now. They can inform the now, but they might not be able to meet the now because spirit is present now. And if you are making decisions solely based upon what has been or what you were taught, then that means the spirit is not guiding you now. Believe me when I tell you, life is not impressed by what you know. Only what, by what you, life is not impressed, but I'm using this metaphorically. Life is impressed by what you do with what you know. And one of the best ways, especially in the context of spirituality, is this. Understanding. That when spirit is leading your soul one way and you don't have intent to go that way, you cause conflict in your own soul. He writes on the same page, page 59, he says, or are you caught up in needing life to be a certain way in order to feel okay about yourself? What has to be lined up for you to feel okay about yourself? Who has to act right? For you to be okay with yourself. He says when we when what we do is rooted in fear or feelings of inadequacy, we're not moving in the direction of spirit. Really let that land. He says when you move in the same direction of spirit, he says you move in the same direction of spirit when you live out your authentic self. Your authentic self is spirit. Your authentic self is I am. Your authentic self is pure love. Authenticity supports right action and ownership of your creative process. Then he asks a very powerful question. He says, have you ever not spoken your truth in order not to hurt someone or or in order to get someone to like you? We suppress ourselves. We suppress ourselves to go along to get along. And when we violate our own integrity, we learn not to trust ourselves. What does your word mean to you? That's one of the questions I'm always asking myself. What does your word mean to you? When you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, every time, let me speak for myself. Every time I say I'm going to do something and I don't do it, I weaken my ability to believe in myself. What do I mean by that? Because I learn not to trust myself. Okay, I'm getting up this morning and I'm going to the gym. I'm going to work out for an hour. And then the alarm goes off. And I go and I say, you know what? I'm just going to wake up my regular time 
to go to work. Let me turn that alarm off. I made the intention, but I didn't follow through. So the next time I get fired up and say I want to go do something, those thoughts and beliefs of procrastination that go along in my head, they don't believe it. They're dominating. Now you don't have to get up. No, you don't have to take care of that. You're good already. You're already healthy. You're already in good shape. You don't have to do that. But see, the thing about it is, if I make the intention, I'm getting up early to go work out for an hour, and I don't do it, then I'm actually dissolving the integrity that I have with myself. And I also set the pace or the or the opportunity for somebody else to be out of integrity with me because it's in my consciousness. To just reflect back to me outwardly what I really believe inwardly. In other words, when I'm showing up as a lack of integrity, then other people will show up in my space the same way. Something to think about. All right. He says at the bottom of page 59, you can readily see how conflict is connected to issues of authenticity. When you look at the ways you may have compromised your own principles in order to please someone else or not to displease someone. So when you have bottom lines, when you have non-negotiable, unalterable terms and you start to violate those things. When you feel as though you're being mistreated and you don't communicate it. When you, when you have needs in a situation or experience and they're uncommunicated. You're compromising your own principles. If, if, if you're in a situation, for instance, where um, it has been agreed upon that this person does this and you do that and whether that's work or relationship or it can be volunteering it can be church it can be all type of stuff and when that person isn't following through and you have to pick up their stuff then and you don't engage it you're you've now just compromised your principles and you're not giving that person an opportunity to make a decision about what they want to do or don't do All right. Now, he goes on to say on page 60, authentic being leads to conscious doing. Conscious doing comes out of what you are as the expression of God. If what you do is not connected to the intentions to serve God, it is not conscious. It is conditioned. I really want you to get that. If what you do is not connected to the intention to serve God, and I would change the word serve to express personally. That's just personal preference. It is not conscious. It is conditioned. And the reason why I would say serve and not uh, express and not serve is because sometimes serve gets people thinking of a God up there that's a ruler instead of the activity life activity, the power, the presence working in and through you and you live working in in it. Anyway, he says, in other words, for some activity to be considered conscious, it must be related to your spiritual purpose and living out that intention. Now, I know some people will say, well, how do you live where you do everything out of your spiritual intention? Some things don't have anything to do with spirituality. Wrong, in my opinion. I'm giving my opinion. That's wrong. Why? Because everything should be able to fit in your spirituality. You can be spiritual and have fun. You can be your authentic spiritual self at a party. You can be your authentic spiritual self being engaged in physical intimacy. Because sexuality can be a part of love and harmony and and oneness and communion. And it can be something where somebody's being abusive and violent, or it could be something where somebody is using somebody for um, for ego purposes. It could be people manipulating for money. It could be many things. It's the same action. 
But what's the intention behind it? So, so when we start to take actions that are inconsistent with our spirituality, then we know it. You know, sometimes, you know, living in a city like Chicago and, you know, we go out, you know, go out and you talk to people and people who know people and you start, people will come up to say, you know, Rev, I know I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be living, but I'm working towards it. What they really are saying is they notice an aspect in them that knows the truth. They're not in alignment with it, but they're unwilling at this point to make the change. So they're in conflict with themselves. They know better. They know better. They know that the decisions and the lifestyle choices that they're making are not consistent with their authentic spiritual nature, even if they don't have that language to explain it. He says, if you're not doing that, which is the intention of the universe to fulfill itself through you as the expression of God, whatever that looks like in the context of context of your authentic self, then what you do is not conscious doing, but conditioned doing. So. How does God show up as you at your job? How does God show up as you? In your family, how does God show up as you in your relationship? How does God show up as you in relationship to money? How does God show up as you in relationship to health in your body? How does God show up as you as a neighbor? How does God show up as you as a responsible citizen in your community? How does God show up as you in your church or or sorority of fraternities how does god show up as you in the things that you care about and you're passionate for change how does god show up as you watching tv how does god show up as you eating food how does god show up as you at the gym running on the treadmill how does god show up as you meeting complete strangers in a public place How does God show up as you? That's the question. Because if you are conscious of I am here to be the way of God, not in the way of God, as he writes about later in the book, then you know that you're here to be that path, to be that way. Or to use biblical terminology. When you see me, you see the Father. When you see me, you see the favor. I don't mean like favoritism, but favor is the sense of the grace of God expressing through my consciousness. When you see me, you see the prosperity. When you see me, you see the peace. When you see me, you see the health. When you see me, you see the understanding. When you see me, you see the joy of the Lord. When you see me, you see integrity. When you see me, you see spiritual leadership. When you see me, you see spiritual power that doesn't have to dominate another person. When you see me, you see the Father. Really, really allow that to land. When you see me, you see the Father. So if that's the authentic space that you're in, then it will, one, create conflict with old states of consciousness. Realize that. Because that stuff in your soul has to come up to come out to be dissipated. But it will also cause conflict with others in your space. When you think that a a Jesus or Gandhi, or Martin Luther King, were all murdered. Thus you know that even when people walk in, in, in their spirituality and in their power, it's actually offensive and scary to those who are not in that consciousness. It's like Morpheus told Neo, everybody in the Matrix who is... Not for you. They're so conditioned by the being in the matrix that if it, if you're not one of us, you're one of them. So with that, let's take our last break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. 
What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit. Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're going to go into page 61. Uh, Gary Simmons wrote, Regret is often a symptom of not being authentic in relation to a particular circumstance. When you fail to speak your truth or act in integrity with your own values and guiding principles, you experience a measure of torment. So I like this. Regret is often a sim- symptom of not being authentic in relation to a particular circumstance. So we we know better. We didn't do what we needed to do. We were guided intuitively. We knew we should have said this or did that. We didn't. And then it didn't turn out the way we wanted to, to turn out. And then we have regret. When in all actuality, all we had to do was just be authentic in that space. And it might have turned out the same way, but we know that we did all that we could do to make it work or handle what we need to handle. You know, sometimes, for instance, when people are going through divorce, uh, sometimes or, you know, if they go through counseling or sometimes people are asked them questions like, you know, you know, you know, do you feel as though you did everything you could to make it work? Some people have regrets. Some people know that they, you know, they cheated or they weren't present or, you know, they created unnecessary drama all the time. Some people know that they didn't do the things needed to make the relationship work. So they have regrets. But eventually, even like they will regret or anything else, you got to move on because life is moving. But anyway. He goes on to say, next paragraph, not speaking our truth is a strategy most of us learned as children. So we learn not to speak our truth uh, as children. And I'm not saying that as a child, that means you start blurting out everything and start snapping and going off and whatever. Because one thing about understanding about being authentic is sometimes when you're being authentic, there's consequences to that. But. That's okay, but you need to understand that. Kids don't necessarily process that as well. Uh, I can say, do what I want, and then there's no consequence. No, that doesn't work because that's not how life works. You know, if I walk outside and it's, you know, one of those 10 below zeros in, uh, in Chicago and I don't have a coat on, then there's consequences physically to uh, 
exposing my body to that type of temperature. You know, if I decide to go to the um, uh, the, the gambling boat or the casino, as it's commonly called, and sp- spend all my money, don't have the money for my responsibilities to live and to eat and travel, then that's a consequence. Now, I'm using those as negative examples, but now let's get back to the positive. We need to learn how to be authentic. And even with children, children need to have an opportunity to be able to talk and et cetera without, um, we're still understanding that somebody else or some grown up is responsible for them. In other words, we can have the conversations, but let's, let's have some conversations around, okay, this is how you see it. Now, what can we do to make sure that we have, can, are taking authentic action? Because everybody wants to feel as though they have a voice. And when people feel as though they don't have a voice, they can have some negative reactions, especially children. But anyway, moving on. He goes on to say, on page 62, I'm jumping over a lot of stuff, but like I told you, this is one of those chapters where I'm going to leave a lot on the table. Read the chapter. Conflicts brings us to the edge. Page 62. He says, conflicts brings us to the edge of our resourcefulness. This is why the idea of embracing conflicts feels so unnatural, even frightening. One of the most uncomfortable feelings is not knowing what to do or how to be when a situation looks and feels scary. So conflict pushes us many times to the point to where we don't have the skills, presently have the skills to deal with the conflict. So it causes us to stretch. It causes paradigms to shatter that we normally wouldn't address if the new present conflict was not forcing us to deal with it. Sometimes we don't even know how to handle what we have within us until we run up against something that forces us to really handle it differently. You know, it's just one of those things to where you have to just work through this situation is here, and now I have to pull on and get in contact with aspects and capabilities within myself that I presently didn't pull up, didn't express, or develop to be able to handle this new situation and circumstance. Because people are only competent up to their stress level. Once people start dealing with stress, their competency goes down. Until they learn how to deal with the stress. That's why in sports, some people play well with pressure and some people don't. You know, for every Michael Jordan, for every Kobe Bryant, you'll have, and I don't want to start naming players who I don't think are clutch. I don't think that would be good. So I'll just leave their players who are, who don't want to take the last shot. Their players who don't want the responsibility of leading the team. For every Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and, uh, you know, let's just say Peyton Manning, who takes control, leads the team, you'll have quarterbacks who will remain nameless, who don't elicit confidence from any of their teammates at all. No hope. But what ends up happening is some people, when they reach the level of conflict, it forces them to work on their skills. It works on them to develop. It forces them to evolve. Moving to the book, back to the book on page 64, because we got to move on because there's a couple other things I want to deal with. So much stuff in this chapter. He says, the soul's purpose is to bring one into the fullness of being as a creation of God in the areas of life that it, that is not happening. I'm going to read that again. The soul's purpose is to bring one into the fullness of being as a creation of God in those areas of life where that is not happening. So your soul will lead you into experiences at times to create balance. In other words, You don't want to address and deal with these areas of your life. Guess what? They're going to keep coming up. 
I don't want to deal with that money. Money stuff is going to keep coming up. I don't want to deal with my preconceived beliefs about certain things. Those things are just going to keep popping up. Why? Because there's an aspect of your soul that knows that you're whole and complete and not necessarily expressing that. So it seeks experiences and people that will help you work on that aspect of your soul that needs development. He wrote, he wrote, the soul's top priority is to bring one into relationship with those aspects of self that live outside of wholeness and a sense of authentic being. Really get that. He goes on to say, when you, when we realize that this inherent conflict between one's soul and one's human nature plays out in daily life, we will see that what appears as an adversary in life is really a mirror of one's own resistance. The stuff is coming up in our lives is showing up because we have resistance in the soul that don't want the aspects of us that doesn't want to deal with our authentic spiritual self with our spirituality. So it has to be transformed. It has to be spiritualized. So he goes on to say under the soul's conspiracy on page 65, the soul seeks to move one into those areas of life where full potential has yet to be discovered. So situations are popping up to help you work on those things. You wonder why you keep dealing with the same type of people, the same type of situations in that area of, of your life. You still need to evolve. You still need to accept some wholeness. There's some integrity missing and some power missing and some leadership missing and some understanding that's missing. So he wrote on page 66, whatever is going on in your life is there to bring you into a greater alignment with the truth of who you are. Ooh, whatever is going on in your life is there to bring you into greater alignment with the truth of who you are. Really let that land. Really let that land. What are you learning about yourself while you're going through what you're going through? Who are you being in that experience? What is coming up and evolving out of you? Just think about that. When you really realize that Sometimes in the midst of working through challenging experiences, there have been people who've had, you know, near death experiences and they'll tell you some of the lessons they learned from, you know, and what they want to do with their lives. Now that they know that, you know what, I'm not going to be here forever. And that's OK. Now, I get the eternal soul. Will always live. But as I tell people all the time. Galen McDowell has one trip. The spirit, the soul that I am, that's a different conversation. But Galen McDowell has one trip. So when I start working and dealing with situations and circumstances, I have to ask myself, okay, what do I want this trip to mean to me? What is showing up on this leg of the journey? Of the soul journey that I need to work on, evolve, develop, and enjoy. What am I learning about myself when I deal with tough situations? What is my soul seeking to get out of this? What is my soul seeking to get out of this? Really allow that to land. Now, I want everybody to read this chapter because it's it's, it's some other stuff. He talks about resistance and what some inner and outer resistance means and defensiveness. I really want you to get the rest of this because I'm not covering it next week. I'm going to the next chapter. Uh, so make sure you do the aware questions at the end of the chapter. Uh, work with this material. This book can change your life. I really mean that. Work with it. So. God bless you, and we will be with you next week with Truth Transforms. 
Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm. 